honor being lead pastor and lead servant here at Crossroads World Outreach Center. And it is an honor to have you guys with us today. Um, those of you who are members here, please keep your church family in prayers, y'all. We got some people. Miss Mary, your, your device is up. Miss Jackie, can you help her real quick? It's fine. No worries, Miss Mary. You're fine. You're okay. No, you're fine. Please, everyone, let Miss Mary know she's okay. You're, you're okay, Miss Mary. You're, you're good. No worries. I'm glad you're actually listening to me. That makes me feel good. <laughs> At least she actually cares. Praise the Lord. Um, but like I said, those of you who are members here who attend regularly, please be praying for your church family. We have a uh, lot of stuff going on in the church right now, so y'all just be praying for your church family as a whole. Um, but today is going to be week two of our series, Love is a Verb. And so if you have your Facebook app on your phone or whatever smart device you use, if you want to pull that up, are we live, Nicholas? We're good. Awesome. Thank you, sir. You're the bomb.com. Thank you too, Miss Cindy. Uh, you guys can go ahead and click that share button um, and then hashtag love is a verb. I did want to share um, one thing, though, before we get started today. October 9th is Pastor's Appreciation Day. Okay, Here at Crossroads, we honor all staff pastors together. Okay, so not just me and my wife, we honor everyone together. And so if you're wondering, well, who are the staff pastors here? Myself, my beautiful wife. I consider Miss Melody a staff pastor, by the way, because she's, she's shaking her head no, but she's a pastor to me. Uh, pastor Teresa, Pastor Betty, Pastor Charlie, and Pastor Bethany. So if you're wondering who all that is and you'd like to honor somebody, that will be October 9th. Thank you, Miss Naomi. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, that is the one thing. We will be having a meal after our church gathering just to celebrate together and have a good time. But like I said, today is week two, and week two is called Imperatives of Love. Imperatives of Love. Our main two books we're going to be in today are Ephesians and Galatians. I made it easy for you today because they are side by side. So I made it real easy for you today. John 15, 12 through 13. My command is this. This is Jesus speaking. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Last week, we talked about the shift that Jesus came to bring to shift our understanding of love from solely vertical, trending, horizontal. And we even made a big statement last week. We said this, the true way to authenticate and demonstrate your love for the Father is by loving those around you. And the greatest thing you can do is take the people next to you and put them in front of you. And that honors the Father. As much as reading your Bible, as much as your devotionals and your prayers, loving people well honors the Father. And I love verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And let me tell you, there are more than one way of laying down your life for your friends. That does not just mean death. That means giving of your time. That means giving of your resources, giving of your talents. And I want to thank the people who came to the church cleanup day yesterday. I really appreciate everyone who showed up. Um, to me, that was an act of love. Like for me personally, those who showed up, I took that as you loving me. Why? Because I love this church. And y'all, I was outside scrubbing those doors and windows for two hours. I don't understand how they got that way, but boy, I was on my knees scrubbing them things yesterday. So if y'all if can't tell it's glass and you walk into it, that's my fault. 
Come on, y'all. Work with me. Y'all did good last week. Y'all got to work with me this week. Y'all got me excited from last week. Uh, But this week, we're going to shift a little bit, and we're going to look at the imperatives of love. And one of the shifts I love in the Bible is where Saul turns to Paul. And Saul is on the road to Damascus. He's on the road to actually persecute Christians, and he has an incredible experience with Jesus. Who remembers this story? Yeah? He's on his, his donkey or horse, whatever the creature was, going to Damascus, and bang, a bright light appears, and there's Jesus. And he asks a question. He says this, who are you, Lord? And I really think he was asking, like, I think he sees Jesus and says, are you really the Lord? Because at this point, right, he was persecuting Christians for believing in Jesus. And at that point, he has a revelation of the love of Jesus, of the love of the Father, like never before. And it radically changes his life, so much so that he stops persecuting Christians and he starts planting churches, actually more churches than anybody else ever has. And so through this miraculous revelation of love, it absolutely changes his life. And Paul goes on to write 14 of our 27 books of the New Testament. Like, just think about that. The man who was persecuting the church, the man who was killing Christians, jailing Christians, turning Christians over to the authorities, is now writing 14 of our 27 canonized books of the New Testament. To me, that shows what a revelation of love can do in your life. But anyways, Paul is actually, the theologians say that Paul has had more influence on Christian theology and Christian thought even more so than Jesus Christ. Pause and think about that. Paul turns around and writes so much on theology, writes so much on these things, that commentators say that Paul has actually had more influence on the Christian faith than even Jesus. Well, why? My little man's talking to me. Well, why? Because he had a revelation of the love of Jesus. And we're going to look at today that everything Paul ever wrote, everything Paul ever did is simply an imperative of love. And so Paul, he did not limit his comments just to theology. He actually turns around and starts writing very specific instructions for the churches. Now, we can look at that and start to wonder, did Paul relapse into religion? Did Paul relapse into religion? Did Paul go back to his law-keeping ways? Did he find himself free and then jump back into bondage like so many of us have? Did he relapse into religion or did he have a revelation of love? More importantly, not just a revelation of love, but a revelation of the love of the Father, the love of Jesus Christ. Will you turn with me to Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 31 through 32, and then we're going to go into the next chapter, in uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. So what is going on with Paul that Paul relapse back into his religious ways, back into his law-keeping life? Because any of you who know about Paul, Paul said that he kept the law perfectly. Not many people can boast about being a perfect law-keeper, but Paul had that one. And so Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, and then 5, 1 through 2. And we're going to throw verse 8 on there in a minute. So Paul writes this in Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Okay, that's good advice, right? You shouldn't be doing these things. I mean, that's good advice, right? So Paul's straight up giving some good advice. But why? Why is Paul saying this? And I love uh, verse 32. Y'all, my mom made me memorize this verse as a child because I was bad. Man, I was bad. My mom made me memorize all types of scriptures. But verse 32 says this. I'm in the NIV Bible, by the way. 
be kind and compassionate to one another. That's also good advice. Forgiving each other, that's also good advice. But why? Because this, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So Paul's not relapsing back into religion. Paul has had a revelation of love. He's writing these imperatives. Why? Not because you have to keep this and you're going to be approved. Not because you can earn anything by keeping this. But why? Because Jesus has already done it unto you. Everything Paul writes is this. Do unto others as Christ has already done unto you. And so why? Why should we put away all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice? Because Christ first loved you. When you were unlovable, when you were walking in these things, Christ loved you. Let's go to Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, literally right next chapter. Paul continues, and I don't know if you know this about the Bible. The Bible was not originally in chapters, okay? They were letters, okay? So this was one long thought. You ready? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. As what children? Dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is what Paul calls the way of love. Now, that sounds very mushy, doesn't it? Right? That's where some people get excited talking about hippie Jesus, right? We love hippie Jesus. And so walk in the way of love. But the fact of the matter is you can't see the way of love unless you see the cross of Christ. I need you to understand this. You cannot see the way of love. You cannot walk in the way of love until you see the cross of Christ. Why? Because our entire faith is built around the sacrificial love of one man. Okay, Paul would have seen some crosses in his day. I need y'all to understand this. Paul was from Rome, right? The Romans are the ones who crucified people. When Paul is talking about the way of love, he knew where the way of love ended for the one who was love. So we have to understand when Paul is talking about follow the way of love, he's not talking about mushy-gushy feelings. Paul is talking about sacrificial love for those around you. In the Old Testament, the sign you were living in the Old Testament was circumcision. All men were circumcised. In the New Testament, that is not so. In the New Testament, now what shows that we are living here is sacrificial love. I need you to hear this. While sacrificial love does not require surgery like circumcision does, it's painful sometimes. Why? Because sacrifice is always painful. And so Paul is laying this out. Why do we walk this way? Why do we talk this way? Following the example of our father as dearly beloved children walking in the way of love. And the way of love is not an emotion like we talked about last week. Jesus was not telling his disciples to feel something. He was not saying feel love for one another all the time because the fact of the matter is your emotions are fleeting. Feelings are liars. Your feelings are false and they lead you astray. Jesus was not saying feel love for one another all the time. No, Jesus was commanding them to do something. And Paul is simply writing as Jesus' sacrificial love as the standard. Now everything flows off as an imperative of love. Why? Because Paul saw love. He had a revelation of love. And now everything he realized, everything flows out of love. 
I, I need you to hear this. In the Christian life, every behavior we are told to have, every characteristic we are told to carry, everything flows from one thing. And that's the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. Everything else in the New Testament that we read is now just commentary based upon the love of Christ. An imperative is something that has to be done because of this one thing. And because of the sacrifice of Christ, Paul's not telling you to keep rules or keep laws. He's not saying you're going to lose anything if you don't keep this. Paul is saying because of what Jesus has done, because Jesus laid down his life for you, out of that sacrificial love, you are now to turn to one another in a state of sacrificial love. Love. Let's look at verse 8. Verse 8 says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. How do we walk as children of light? This is another imperative of love. How do we walk as children of light? We embrace the way of love. Can I tell you, the way of love is not easy. And our exhortation last week was to go out of your way to love people particularly well. Who in here took that exhortation and you ran with it? I want to like, be honest, that you were intentional with that exhortation. I'm, can anyone raise their No one can. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord Jesus. Ooh, golly, we ain't got love. What we got? What's love got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. My God. Ooh, gee, I got to get a breath real quick. Y'all just suck the wind out of me. Okay, Jesus, help us, Lord Jesus. But listen. This is, this is where verse 13, John 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than this, that one laid down his life for his brothers. Can, let me tell you how simple that can be. Laying down your life for someone can be taking them dinner sometimes, giving up your time to go out of your way to love someone. Y'all, it's really not hard, but the fact of the matter is it's intentional. You have to be intentional to lay down your life. You don't wake up and, and oh, I think I'm gonna lay down my life today. No, you, you determine in your heart today, I'm gonna love people well. Today, I'm going to go out of my way to love people well. So how do we embrace this imperative to live as children of light? We walk in the way of love. And what's that? That is sacrificial love. We walk in this thing. Everything Paul wrote, we're going to see in some more verses. Everything Paul wrote flows out of a revelation of love. How many times in this church have I said, y'all, we got to have a deeper revelation? Because we can talk about love all the day long and leave this place and never love any better than we did before we walked in here. Everything, every single thing that Paul, y'all, I need you to hear me. This is how important love is. First off, our God is love. Just pause and think about that. And everything that flows out of God flows out of his love. And so everything Paul writes flows out of what? Love. Why do we stay away from certain things? Because of love. Why do we do certain things? Because of love. You could not earn God's love. He gives it freely. And you can't even lose God's love. Pause and think about that. So Paul is not relapsing into religion. Paul is now laying a standard because of what now I know love to be. Now I know what love requires of me. Now because I know what love to be, now I know what love requires of me. Can I tell you, love usually requires sacrifice. I love my wife. I love my babies. I don't have much free time anymore. Yo, that's a sacrifice for me. I used to be in the gym every day of my life. I used to have a very set schedule. Well, guess what? I got married. <laughs> and then guess what? I had two babies in under two years, okay? So the fact of the matter is I have had to see love for what it really is. And the fact of the matter is love usually requires sacrifice. 
That's why many people have a false substitute for love. Why? Because love is like Mr. Brian having to take care of Miss Noemi because she just had surgery. Love causes you sometimes to put your life on hold for a while. Miss Melody going through uh, cancer with Mr. Joe. Her, her life has been on hold for eight months. Why? Because she knew what love required of her. Love oftentimes causes you to walk in sacrifice. So everything now flows out of what? The sacrificial love of Jesus. The ultimate example. Paul ends up writing all through his letters what he calls the one another's. The one another's. Okay, and these are imperatives of love. And when we allow love to have its way in our heart, it produces such beauty as this. Uh, Paul writes, submit to one another. Well, why? Why do we submit to one another? Out of reverence for Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus submitted to you. How? He went on the cross for you. Submitted everything to go upon that cross for you. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Restore one another. Accept one another. Care for one another. Bear with one another. Carry one another's burdens. Why? Why should I go out of my way to do so much of this for others? Why? Because we are to do unto others as Christ has already done unto us. Every single one of these things that Paul lays out are an imperative of love. And when we allow love to have its work in our heart, we will find ourselves one anothering one another much better. I mean, can I be honest with a second? I'm not always very good at one anothering one another. I'm just not. Sometimes I don't care your burden. Sometimes I'm like, suck it up and get over it. Sometimes I don't want to forgive y'all because some people do stupid stuff. Sometimes I just get mad at stupid stuff. Anyone watch The Office ever? Anyone know Kevin Malone? I just don't have much patience for stupid. Sometimes I don't want to care for other people. Y'all, I'm exhausted half the time. Can I just be honest? I got two little babies. I'm married. I got, I got a dog that's crazy hyperactive. I don't have much time for anything. Sometimes I'm exhausted and I only want to care about myself. You know how easy it is to not want another one another? I only want to want another this one right here. I don't care about other people half the time, but that is the beauty. When we see the sacrificial love of Jesus. Listen, you can't understand love without seeing the cross. When we have a revelation of the sacrificial love of Jesus, understanding that he's already done all these things unto us. And every day, guess what? He carries your burdens. Every day he cares for you. Every day he forgives you. Every day he encourages you. Every day, guess what? Even he will restore you. So why do we do these one another's? Why did Paul even write these one another's? Because Christ has already done them unto us. Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, as you have freely received, freely give. How many of us know God's grace doesn't cost anything and it's actually absolutely amazing. The same way we receive these things, no cost to us, we are to give no cost to others. Hmm. <laughs> the basis for Christian behavior is, the, I'm gonna say this over and over, is the sacrificial love of Jesus. We don't, listen, we don't love others and we don't love God because the Bible tells us to. I'm going to pause and say that again. I don't love you because a book told me to. I don't love my wife because a book told me to. I love you guys because God, through his son, Jesus Christ, first loved me. 
Pause and think about that. I don't love you because I have to follow a law to love you. And I don't even love you because I have to. Oh, I got to love them. Actually, you don't have to do anything. I just want to pause and say this. Oh, well, we just got to love them. You don't have to do anything. And the fact of the matter is God doesn't want you to feel like you have to do something. The posture always has to be, I get to do something. And so the fact of the matter is, if you're just walking, oh, I guess I love them because I have to, you don't actually love them. Let me pause and say that again. Oh, well, we got to love them. If you have to say that, then you don't actually love them. Why? Because the posture of the heart of love, Scripture tells us love keeps no record of wrongs. And usually the time you don't want to love somebody is because they wronged you. Because they did something to hurt your feelings. But the fact of the matter is, I don't love because the Bible tells me to love you. I love you because Christ loves me. And when you experience the love of Jesus, it radically changes your life. And guess what? We're about to talk about something. We're about to talk about sin. (gasps) Pastor's finally talking about sin. Yeah, but it's going to be different than you think. (laughs) Let's talk about sin's horizontal effect. Sin's horizontal effect. We have been raised in church to solely see sin against God. I've sinned against God. I must get on my knees at the altar and repent for, for 30 years about the same dang thing that he already forgave me about when Jesus died on the cross. Oh, man, that's a toxic cycle to be in. Um, But sin is not just vertical. Sin is actually horizontal. When you sin, and this isn't usually our mindset, when you sin, it takes away honor from those around you. It takes away the worth and value of those around you. And not only does it do that, it breaks relationships. I'm going to say this again. Sin is not just vertical. Sin is not up there hurting God's feelings and he wants to smite you. No, sin has actually shifted a lot. Sin isn't even the same as it was in the Old Testament. Yes, we missed the mark in the New Covenant, but you're already forgiven in Jesus. So pause and think about this. Your sin takes away honor of others. It takes away the value and worth of others. And it breaks relationships. And so if someone were to ask me, well, why, why should I not lie? Why? Why not, why not sin? Let's use lying as an example. I'll say this. Why? Because lying takes away honor. Lying dishonors the person you're lying to. Lying says this. I, I would rather keep myself safe and dishonor you and you not know the truth. Why? Because lying is self-preservation. And when you honor yourself above someone else, what does that mean you did to them? You dishonored them. Lying takes away value and worth. Lying says this, you're not worth the truth. You're not worth knowing what I got to say. You're not worth this. Why? Because you're focused on yourself. And if you know something about sin, it's always, it's always benefiting you. And number three is this, it breaks relationship. How? Because trust is hard to gain, but easy to lose. Who knows this? Trust is hard to gain and real easy to lose. How many of you have ever lost a relationship because of a lie? Anybody in here ever had relationships broken? And so the fact of the matter is now sin is not only affecting your vertical relationship. Actually, Scripture tells us that that's just your conscience separating you from God. God never actually separates himself from you. And so the fact of the matter is now our understanding of sin has to shift. Before we sin, we have to think to ourselves, how is this going to dishonor people around us? How is this going to take away the value and worth? For example, for males who struggle with P-O-R-N. That highly dishonors your wife. It takes away her value and worth. And that can absolutely break a relationship. And so the fact of the matter is when our, when our understanding of sin is only eyes to the skies, we could be destroying people around us and never even understand what happened. 
I'm going to say this again. When your whole understanding of S-I-N, sin, you think it's separating you from God, which in the new covenant, that's not even possible. You think it's separating you from God. The fact of the matter is it's not separating you from God. It's separating you from those around you. And how can you love those when they're at a distance from you? So sin actually drives people away from you. And when we understand this, sin is harmful to those around us and it hinders us from loving well. Did you know that's my number one rule why I don't sin actually? Is this, because it harms those around me and it absolutely hinders me from loving well. How can you love those who you can't get even, get, even get near to? Miss Manley, how can I love you if you don't trust me and won't even let me know anything about you? And so the fact of the matter is when we just think, oh God, my sin is horrible and terrible. No, instead of repenting to God, you need to go repent to your neighbor. This is the shift Jesus brought. This is the shift right here. Stop being all eyes to the skies and look around you. Put the person next to you in front of you. And so sin has real consequences, yes, in this life. I'm going to say this again. Sin has real consequences in this life. I ain't talking about the afterlife. I ain't talking about nothing about the future. I'm talking right here, right now. You go around lying, ain't nobody going to trust you. Ain't nobody going to listen to you. You're going to be the guy that cried wolf over, over, and over. No one's going to respect you around you. You're probably going to lose your job because your superiors can't trust you. Your marriage is going to go to the crappers. Your kids won't want to be near you. Sin has real consequences here and now. So when our focus is on the by and by, we don't realize the destruction we're causing here and here. And so this is the fact of the matter. This is one of the main problems in American Christianity. We are so trained to look to the future, we can't really see the present. Oh, God, please don't let that sin come back when judgment comes. Y'all, God is no longer counting your sins against you. Like, pause and think about this. We say, oh, God, please don't judge me on this one day. He's not. He's already forgiven you. And so the fact of the matter is instead of begging God for the future, look at the present now. Because the fact of the matter is God doesn't even want you looking at yourself. The whole reason to look like Jesus is to impact those around you. What would be the point of looking like Jesus if you were never loving those around you? You're just going to be Jesus for yourself? Jesus came for who? The world. Man, some of us are going to get this. It's going to be good. Some of y'all is going to click later, and y'all are going to be like, oh, that was good. Okay, pastor, I see you. All right, we'll get it eventually. But I'm going to say this one more time. Sin, is, sin has a horizontal effect. Sin, when you sin, it is harmful to those around you. You will really hurt people when you act in such a way. This is the shift God wanted to bring. I need you to hear this. God is far more concerned with how you treat other people than having your eyes to the sky. Why? Because you don't have to search for God out there. God is in here. We don't have to beg God to enter this building. Y'all, I have never once asked God to come into this building. Why? Because I walk in and here he is. I know, listen, I know who I am. We're about to do a series called Identity Theft because some of y'all don't know who you are. But the fact of the matter is I know who I am. I know that when any time I'm walking and talking, guess who's with me? Holy Spirit. So I'm not searching for him out somewhere. I'm looking at you guys around me seeing how now can I pull Holy Spirit out of you? And how can I not harm you? And how do we do that? Love. I need you to hear this. Love. What does scripture tell us? Love your neighbor as yourself and all the law is completed in this. Why? Because love doesn't sin. Why? Because love understands that sin has consequences. Love understands that sin harms those around you. Love cannot harm those around you. 
Scripture tells us that love does, does not triumph in wrong. I like to say this. Love is never an accomplice of wrong. I'm going to say this again. Love is never an accomplice of wrong. So how can I claim to love you if I'm sinning against you? But I'm about to share, I'm about to share a secret with y'all. I'm about to share a secret with y'all. Y'all ready? I'm about to teach y'all what is the only thing that matters. You ready? Y'all ready for this? You ready for a secret? You ready? You ready to know what the only thing that matters is? Anybody? Like, so at the end of the day, you can say, well, what did I do today and was it worth anything? Well, I'm about to teach you the only thing that matters. Okay? Everybody good? You ready? You ready for the secret sauce? You ready for this? Galatians 5, 6. Here's the secret sauce. You ready? Galatians 5, 6. This can revolutionize your world. The only thing that counts. You ready? The only thing that counts in this Christian life. You ready? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. They have what? No value. <laughs> the only thing that counts, y'all, here's the secret sauce. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Pause and think that in. So many people ask me, Pastor, what is, what is my calling? What is my future? And I'm going to tell you the only thing that even counts. The only thing that even counts at the end of the day is did you allow your love to express itself through action? Yo, this is going to be revolutionary for some people. Those of you who question your whole life, am I doing what's right? Am I following what God wants me to do? And my question is this, have you allowed your faith to exp express itself through love? So pause and look at this and think about this. Really, Paul? Really, the only thing, the only thing that counts, not one of the things, not the top thing, not all these other things. No, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So let's pause and think about this. Any activity we do in this church, if the motivation is not love, it does not count. If we serve in the outreach pantry because we want to feel good about ourselves and think we did a good deed, it does not count. If we want to have big events trying to get non-sinners into the, I mean sinners, I'm going to call them non-sinners, people who don't know Jesus into this building, but the motive is just to grow numerically, it does not count. Paul makes a very big statement here. I need you all to understand how big this statement is. The only thing that counts now the only thing that counts is, is not, is, y'all, it's not just faith. Pause and think about that. Paul didn't say the greatest thing is faith. No, because the majority of us grew up with the Christianity that that's all it was. And this type of faith leads us to an eyes to the skies type morality. It's a vertical morality. Many of us were taught the only thing that matters is faith. Just look to God. And what happens when you only look to God? You never look to those around you. And you never even take into consideration what you do affects those around you. So many of us were taught all that matters is faith. Faith, faith is the greatest thing. Well, actually, that's not true because James tells us that faith without works is useless. Faith without works is dead. And so the fact of the matter is like I preached months ago. The fact of the matter is this. How is your love expressing itself through actions? And so Paul shifts this mindset of just looking to the sky because the fact of the matter is when we say, oh, just vertical faith is the only thing that matters, that type of faith doesn't feel obligated to love those around them. That type of faith does this right here. It manufactures religious routines to make itself feel good. I need you to pause. Have any of you ever been stuck in a religious cycle? You thought, if I read my Bible this much, I'll be closer to God. 
If I pray this much, if I don't do this sin, me and God, we're going to be like this. But the fact of the matter is you cannot ever get closer to God than you are right now in this moment. And that, for some of you, is revolutionary. You can never get closer to God than you are in this moment. Why? Because Jesus upon the cross did the best work possible and he brought you as close as you ever will be to, to the Father. Now the thing is we just grow in our awareness of his nearness. And so the fact of the matter is we have been taught, it's just faith and faith alone. So we get caught in religious cycles. And many of us don't know that serving in God's eyes is just as beautiful as you spending time in the word. You going over to your neighbor and having a conversation with them and showing them love of Jesus is just as beautiful in his eyes as if you were to pray for 30 hours. And so the fact of the matter is when we are taught that only faith alone matters, we get stuck in a religious cycle. And listen to this. Faith disconnected from love leads to legalism. Faith disconnected from love leads to legalism. And so the fact of the matter is, Paul, listen, who was Paul? Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. What does that mean? Paul knows what it's like to, to be in religion. Paul knows what it's like to do all the right religious duties and routines. And this is Paul. Can I tell you how amazing a, a revelation of love is? Paul, who back in the day would have said, only faith matters. That's the only thing that matters. Do your religious duty and your religious routine. Now Paul changed his whole song. And now Paul is saying, no, it's not just faith that counts. It is now the only thing that counts is, is your faith expressing itself through what? Love. And what is love? Love is sacrificial. So is your faith expressing itself through sacrifice? Pause and think about that. So what does that mean? When we don't feel like coming to church some Sundays, we don't feel like showing up to serve, sometimes we got to sacrifice. Sometimes we got to show up. Why? Because showing up counts. I told every single person who showed up for the cleaning day yesterday, they were like, we're sorry we didn't get too much done. I said, that doesn't matter to me. You know what counts to me? You showed up. I'm going to tell you all right now, you want to show your pastor love? Show up. Amen. Serve. You want to show me you love me? I don't even need to hear you say it. Serve and I'll know. And every person who's in leadership in this church knows this. If you don't have a heart to serve, you, you don't serve. I mean, you don't serve in leadership here. If scrubbing windows is beneath you, then leadership is above you. Amen. And so at the end of the day, y'all, I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm out on my knees in my skinny jeans scrubbing windows, y'all. Why? Because I love y'all. Why? Because I love this church. Why? Because I want you to have a nice building with nice facilities, nice, clean, and sleek. Why? Because if it's filthy, then obviously we don't love this place. And so the fact of the matter is you want to show me you love, give me a little sacrifice. Some of us, it's really hard for us to even give a little bit extra of our time to come to some events. Y'all, some of us give a lot more effort into our own, our own life that benefits us rather than what benefits others. And I decided in my heart at the beginning of this year, I would never walk in a selfish manner in leadership again. Why? Because y'all, even my personal preferences do not matter. Like, I'm going to say this. I do not matter anymore. What I think is best does not matter anymore. What matters is what benefits you all. That is one of the, hmm. oh Jesus, help me Jesus.
Now, I'm going to tell you this. One day when you see Jesus, <laughs> he's not going to look at you with a record book saying, all right, did you read your Bible this day? <laughs> did, you, did you do your devotional? <laughs> How much did you pray in your prayer closet? Which is actually an Old Testament understanding because now we're meant to pray corporately. Anyways, you see how we made our faith individualistic when it's actually meant to be corporate as a... So Jesus is not sitting there saying, what was your church attendance? How much tithes did you give? No, no, no. Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to be like, so how, how did your faith express itself through love? Why? Because it's the only thing that matters. The only, I'm going to say it again. Here's the secret sauce. The only thing that counts at the end of the day, when you lay your head down to think back on your day, did I do it right? Think to yourself, did my faith express itself through love today? You have faith in Jesus, love people. I mean, man, that person at the grocery store, even that person that giving you horrible service, love them, man. I mean, my gosh, Christians, we have got to stop walking in conditional love. Listen, the Father is, even though we act like the Father has conditional love, because the vast majority of us act like God has conditional love, he is actually, in his essence, unconditional love. And so the fact of the matter is, uh, 1 John tells us this, (laughs) if we claim to know Jesus, we ought to walk as Jesus walked. And how did Jesus walk? In faith, expressing itself through love. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Philippians 2, 3 through 5 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Why? Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Could you imagine... Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we saw one another in the same mindset as Christ sees us? Could you imagine if we treated our relationships with the same mindset of Christ? Christ, as God himself in the flesh, humbled himself to take the form of a man. Humbled himself to be sacrificed, but not only sacrificed, but sacrificed on the cross. This same Jesus did that did not count his life anything, but submitted it to you. That same Jesus who gave everything for you. Could you imagine if we now turned to one another and loved one another in such a way? That said, I will put you above myself. Why? Because that's the only thing that counts. Imagine, imagine a world (laughs) that was cautious of what we believed, but was envious of the way we loved one another. I'm going to say it again. Imagine a world that was cautious and skeptical of what we believe, but were envious of the way we love one another. Y'all, it was that time, a long time ago, people were drawn to the original church because of the way they loved one another. And at one point in time, that love radically changed the world, and I believe it can do so again. It's not a message of punishment that's going to bring people into the fold. It's not an angry God. It's not a wrathful God. People need to know that God loves them. That he had a son who laid down his life for them. And at one point in time in history, it changed the world. And I may be be living in a fantasy, but I genuinely believe that type of love can change your world. 
And imagine, imagine the world around you gets better because you love those around you better. Just imagine a world where those around you start walking in love because you first walked in love towards them. I believe we as a church, we as a church in America as a whole, (laughs) will never get to the place we're meant to be until we start one anothering one another better. What if I challenged you this week to really go out of your way to one another one another? And if you want to know what the one another's are, go back and just read Paul's letters. What if I encouraged you to one another, one another better than you ever have? And why? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So my exhortation for you this week, allow the imperatives of love to lead you this week. So let's let's look at the one another's. Allow them to lead you this week. Submit to one another. Forgive one another, encourage one another, restore one another, accept one another, care for one another, bear with one another, carry one another's burdens. Allow these imperatives to lead you this week. I'm telling you, allow them to do things in you you never imagined were possible. Areas where you used to hold grudges, forgive. That person at work who wronged you years ago, but you just can't let that go and build a relationship, let it go. More than that, when you see those around you going through a hard time this week, care for them. Love them. Miss Cindy Coker has surgery tomorrow to remove cancer. And I'm so proud of how people have come around her and loved her. That is caring for one another. That is carrying one another's burdens. And I encourage you this week. My exhortation is this. Take it and run with it. Allow the imperatives of love to lead you this week. Do unto others as Christ has already done unto you. And when you lay your head down to rest tonight, think to yourself this, that I allow my faith to express itself through love today. Will you please stand with me? Will you raise your hands to heaven with me? I want you to imagine a world where your loved ones came to love Jesus because of how well you love them. That those neighbors you've been praying for come to know Jesus because how well you want another them. Imagine a world where those who have faith in Jesus truly express it through love. That we walk in such sacrificial love that blows people away. And Holy Spirit, in this moment, I just pray that you start to remove any selfish ambitions in us. Any selfish intentions in us, Father. Because at the end of the day, our whole faith is built around the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. And now everything we do must be an imperative of that love flowing from the sacrificial love of Jesus. So, Father, today I pray that we would be like Paul, where we have such a deep revelation of love that it changes our entire lives. That things that used to matter to us don't matter anymore. That we're willing to put ourselves on the back burner for a little bit to love those around us better. Father, I pray we would love this church better. And by this church, I mean one another. I pray in this church, we one another, one another so well that people are drawn to this church. 
Why? Because they know they're going to be loved here. They know they're going to be cared for. They know their burdens are going to be supported by others, that they'll be forgiven when they fall short, that we are the Christians that one another so well that people know exactly what church we are from, that we serve and we sacrifice above anything for ourselves. Because this is what love now requires. And Holy Spirit, I just pray for deeper revelation of what it means to walk in the way of love. And that we truly cannot know the way of love until we see the cross of Christ and the sacrifice of of Calvary. And so Jesus, I just pray that day by day, we start to walk in the way of love like never before. That we as a church are known as those who walk in the way of love. Even though the way of love is painful because sacrifice is painful, that you restore us and you uphold us to do these things. So King Jesus, those who are going through hard seasons, those who are going through seasons of uncertainty, I just pray they have a deeper revelation of your love and grace. To walk in love and grace like never before, but even more than that, to have a revelation of it. That it bursts something new in their hearts and they see you in a new way. So Father, I just pray that as we leave this place today, that as the church leaves the building, that we now allow the imperatives of love to have their way in our lives this week. That we go out of our way to treat others as Christ has already treated us. To do unto others these beautiful imperatives. Why? Because now that's what love requires of me. Not law. Law doesn't require anything. The law is abolished. The law has passed away. But now what does love require of me? King Jesus, I just pray we go from this place doing the only thing that counts. That we allow our faith to express itself through love. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Betty, you have food across the street. There's food across the street.